Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA, 202 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in our listening audience. I want to give a quick shout out to Amarillo, Texas, getting a lot of requests and information from folks in Amarillo. We're happy to have you on board. Our producer today, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you can do that, or even on the website at America's Healthcare Advocate, America's Healthcare Advocate. Lots of stuff up on the Instagram uh, page. We've got new videos up there, some yoga and Pilates stuff you might find interesting. And then obviously all the shows are posted on podcasts on TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. If you want to go back and listen to one of these or tell somebody about one of them and the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got questions, I can help you with something. Please um, feel free to reach out to me. A lady uh, by the name of Lois Grace from Albany, Missouri, reached out to me last week, and she needed help with macular degeneration. She had listened to a show we'd done on the healthcare issues surrounding vision. We were able to help her get her to see a specialist that um, uh, specializes in that issue of macular degeneration. So again, we're happy to help you. If you need us to help, go to the website, send me an email, and we will get back to you. If, on the other hand, you need help with health insurance of any kind, whether whether it's Medicare, individual, or group, you can always call the lovely Joyce Thompson at RPS Benefits by Design. And that number is 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224. Um, she's available to help you anytime you call. Feel free to call her and she will get back to you as soon as possible. Joining me today, Dr. Greg Sweat, Medical Director from Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City. Welcome back. Thank you. This is your second show, so here you are. You're a veteran now of doing this, doctor. <laughs> So this is going to be an interesting show today. We're going to be talking about something we call the social determinants of health. Now, let me start out by making it clear. This is not a politically correct show. We're going to go into this subject matter and that subject matter. We're not going to tell you that a single-payer system or national health care is going to be a solution to these issues we're going to bring up. What we are going to do is we're going to define a problem that you may or may not be aware of. Some of you may be and some of you may not. But the, the really important part of this is we've got a solution, okay? Blue KC has come up with an amazing solution. And when we get into this, I think you're going to learn a lot from it. So we're broadcasting this nationally. If you are a provider, okay, a, a primary care doc, whatever the case may be, and you're interested in any of this, we'll give you information on how to reach out. Once again, I think you're going to find this show to be very interesting. So with that, Dr. Sweat, let's kind of, first of all, you know, like you did with me when we were talking about this last week before we did the show, um, define the social determinants of health, because frankly, I was a little surprised at what you said. 
Right. Well, well, thank you, Carrie. It's, I'm glad to be here and talking about this very important topic. And as you see, you know, the, when you think about the social determinants of health, an abundance of research suggests that over 80% of our actual health outcomes that we think about are really attributed to non-clinical issues, leaving only about 20% that are really attributable to what we think of as traditional medical care and genetics. And when you think about that 80%, 40% of those health outcomes are socioeconomic factors, such as education, food, stable housing, transportation. 30% are actually healthy behaviors, so exercise, uh, smoking, and alcohol. But the six primary categories of social determinants are economic stability, neighborhood and environment, education, how we behave or health behaviors, community and social context, which are gun violence, mass incarceration, et cetera, and then our traditional healthcare system. So there are six, and those are the six. Yeah, you know, so let's go back to that first part, 80%. That, that's a number that just knocks your socks off. I mean, when it's you, astounding. I, it, it is, mm-hmm. okay. It, I've been doing this for 26 years. I would have yep. never guessed that number. I, I would have guessed there would have been a number. I was chairman of the American Heart Association. We dealt in some of these issues that, you're ta- that we're going to talk about today, right. but I had no idea the number was that high. Well, when you think about healthcare and you think about how healthy you are, and we always think about, well, I wonder what my sugar level is, or I wonder what my cholesterol number is. That's not your greatest number that impacts your healthcare today. The, the number that greatest, most greatest impacts your healthcare or your ability to live long is your zip code. Now, you find that hard to believe, folks? So, so, and let's illustrate that. Let's give mm-hmm. us some examples of that using the Kansas City Metro here mm-hmm. uh, to, to explain how, because I think, that, I think that is a little surprising to a lot of folks. I think it was surprising to me. I recognize it, but not to the level we're talking about today. Yeah, I think most people would recognize it. And I think most people would, you know, intuitively agree that, well, it's probably important, but how important it is. In Kansas City, for instance, we have zip codes, one zip code, um, 64128. The life expectancy is 15 years less than a zip code just a mere 10 miles away, which is home to one of our most lavish areas, the Country Club Plaza. Yeah. So for every one mile, you lose a year and a half of life expectancy. That's amazing. It's astounding. Yeah, it is. It, and it, 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 and it's not something that is recognizable on the face of it to most people. In fact, I don't hear anybody talking about this in reality. I mean, it's really not a subject that's out there saying, why is there disparity like this? And how does this add to all the issues that we're dealing with in this country now, whether it's social unrest or COVID-19, pick it, any of it, okay? This all plays back into this fabric of this thing. So, I mean, it, again, as I said, it's surprising. It's very surprising. And I think only recently have we begun to train doctors differently. I, I, back when I was in training, we didn't talk about the social determinants of health. We were desperately learning how to cure disease. And so now we, we're beginning to recognize, as we talked about earlier, 80% of the problem is not just curing disease. Yeah, because when, you, when you're talking like that, you're talking about putting, you're, you're dealing with something after the fact. What we're talking about here is how do you get out in front of these things, doctor, and deal with them before they become medical issues that we continue to throw money at, whether it's type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, go down the list, okay? Mm -hmm. How how do we get ahead of the curve to prevent those kinds of things and therefore have a much more effective use of our medical dollar? Correct. Right. And, And 
you know, so the, the question is, and it's kind of interesting because we talked about this when I opened the show. I mentioned that we're not talking about universal um, health care here from the standpoint of the way the Europeans do. But what I thought was fascinating was when you and I talked during the show prep, talk about the European model versus our model and how right. this particular thing that they do has a much bigger impact on health than the way we do it here. It's, it's interesting. If you look at the percent of GDP that we spend as a country versus most of our peers are developed other countries. For instance, for every dollar that we spend on healthcare, we spend an additional 90 cents or so on social services to help people with education, to get them the right food, to get them support in their utilities and housing. In our peer countries that are like us, for every dollar that they spend on healthcare, an additional $2 is spent on those same social services. So not only are we spending less, we're allocating our resources that much differently. So, and we're talking about the same pie. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of how the pie gets divided, okay, and right. and, and and how that pie uh, winds up affecting the overall health of the population we're talking about. So essentially, I, what I think we're saying here is that if we reversed, we're not talking about more money. We're talking about reversing the way we're using the money. Yes? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Shifting just the way we do it. And it's not like we spend the most money on healthcare. I mean, there are other countries throughout the world that probably spend more in aggregate. On their health That's interesting because we never hear that. What we hear is that we spend more and get less. Correct. Yeah. And but we do get less. Our I, outcomes are sometimes less. Well, they are. And, and we're right back to why they are. <laughs> so before we go to break, though, <laughs> talk about how, how the Europeans do this and what it is they do. Well, I think they create different incentives for their, for their population. They, they look at these doctors. Doctors look at their patients and their members, so to speak, as I'm going to take care of you holistically. I'm not just going to cure your disease because they get paid differently. They get paid on a different type of system. They're incentivized for value to take care of that whole person rather than sometimes in our country, we pay for every service taken. Not, not, not. It doesn't work that way here. Not, you know, the way it works here is the more things that you do, the more you get paid. Our focus is just the opposite of that. Correct. So we've been working with our local providers to, to try to get them to shift, to try to move toward value-based incentives. And we are to a degree, but it's, it's an uphill battle sometimes. Yeah, because you're changing a culture. Yep. A culture that's been embedded in this country since before World War II. So mm-hmm. now th- this is where we're, we're, we're looking to make a change. It's going to be a big change. It um, is. But the good news is you've already started. And so right. when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about, you know, we've, we've told you there's a problem here. We'll talk a little bit more about that problem, why it exists and all the rest of it. Then we're going to move to what's the solution. There actually is a solution. It's already in place at Blue KC, and we're going to talk about how they're implementing that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more of the doctors in the house. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, please send me an email. I am more than happy to answer it, as we did for the lady up in Albany, Missouri last week. If you need help with something, reach out. We'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Our producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Joining me in studio today, Dr. Greg Sweat, director, medical director for Blue Cross and Blue 
Mansfield of Kansas City, and we're talking about social determinants of health. It's a very interesting topic, and and I and what we're trying to do here is educate you as to what these issues are, and not just what the issues are, but also what the solutions are. And we're going to talk about solutions in the upcoming segment. I want to get back into this so a little bit more, doctor, and, and talk about you know back to this European model again. So they take the same amount of dollars that we that theoretically, okay, that, that mm-hmm. we use, but they move it around differently. So right. what are some of the things they do that, that, that allows them to, and the impact is obvious, what the impact on the overall health of those countries, let's talk about that. They tend to, globally, and I'll talk globally, I know specific examples exactly, but in their neighborhoods, in their environments, in their communities, they invest in their communities dis- differently than we do. The disinvestment in communities, if it occurs, and it, it results in nutritional deserts, incomplete streets, inadequate sidewalks, toxins in the homes. So it's, it creates environments that people really struggle and really can't be healthy. Economic stability, poverty levels, you know, determined by a livable wage and income is predominant, predominant determinant of, of health. For instance, in Missouri, individuals with incomes between fifteen dollars to $25,000 per year have nearly three times the level of diabetes prevalence compared to those only just making $75,000 a year. So if you think about that, $75,000 to $25,000, you triple the rate of diabetes. It's the same thing with childhood obesity. Those kids that are in the lower socioeconomic status have 60% more in- incidence of childhood obesity. It's almost directly linked. So there are two of the six categories. If you look at education, it's almost the same identical piece. So if, if you are a diabetic in Missouri, you're 16% more likely to have a lower education than you are if you don't. And um, it, one in three, for instance, another statistics, one in three children in Kansas City, they're not prepared for kindergarten because of inaccessible quality pre-kindergarten for these kids. So they don't start off on the right foot. So they really struggle. So those sorts of investments are, are key. And, then, and you see that that's not the healthcare, That's not a hospital. That's not a health facility. Those are investments in the community infrastructure. Very, very different than what we do sometimes. Now, I'm not saying or suggesting that we don't invest in those things, but maybe not to the degree that some of our peer countries do. Well, you know, it's interesting because you talked about nutritional deserts. We, we, when I was there with the American Heart Association, we called them food deserts. And we had a very specific mm-hmm. program that was coupled with Truman Medical Center and some other folks in town where we literally took vehicles, large, these large trucks out with fresh vegetables because they didn't have access to it. Right. Okay, so now tie that back to if you're making fifteen to 25000 three times higher rates of diabetes. Why would that be? Because they, they aren't getting the food that they need because they can't access right. the food that they need. Okay, you know, you, you, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have a car in our home. Uh, we, we just couldn't afford to do it. We didn't have it. But I remember having to ride the bus to go to the grocery store and to carry those bags back with my mother. So I know that's not an easy thing to do, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It's very, very difficult. It's not the same. We all jump in our car and go to the store, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's no big deal. But when you go back to this level, where people are living like this, it's a different deal. It is. One of our local, um, the Spire Care Centers, which is one of our primary care centers here locally, in talking with one of our, our membership and going through focus groups to, to really dig into this really deeply with some of our membership, one of our members said, you know, it's when we go to the convenience center, what's on sale always? Potato chips. Potato chips and beer. Always. And, and liquor. So, but they don't have apples. They don't have those sorts no. of things in those convenience marts. No. That are really maybe the only grocery store in miles. Yeah. And, 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 and so they're not offered the, you know, 
the same kind of food and nutrition, mm-hmm. even if they have the money for it, right. to be able to do what they need to do. So switch gears for a minute to the childhood obesity thing, because this is a huge problem. And it's mm-hmm. a huge problem with childhood obesity that then morphs into type 2 diabetes, of which we have an epidemic in this country. How much more prevalent is it in those situations where the parents are in that lower, lower income level and living in areas where they don't have access to food? What, the, obviously, the numbers have got to be significantly higher, right? It's astounding. It's, it's I think, 160%, if I recall the statistics correctly. But are you serious? 160% more likely to be obese as a child in those lower socioeconomic status locations just by virtue of where you live and what income your family has. 160%. That, that is... Um, Remarkable. And you know, if you so now take all three of these topics debt, nutritional deserts, the income 15 to 25, three times higher rates of diabetes, childhood obesity, and tie that all back into the cost of healthcare. What'd you just do? You just blew it up. Oh, you did. Yeah. Because yeah. where do they wind up when there's right. a, you, the first place they go to get care? Because they go to the, they go to the ER. Emergency the yeah. least effective dollar that we spend in healthcare is spent where? In the ER. It's in the emergency room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's astounding. You know, there's a, there are other statistics out there. By 2025, if you look at the developing countries across the world, 68% of them, 68% of the population will either be overweight or obese. And if you think about that, we can cure disease better and better. You hear about cancer rates being better. We're screening. We're preventing. Heart disease is getting better. But the increase in illness burden caused by people's behaviors of where they live and work could suffocate our public and private funding. It's doing it now. Right. I mean, if you look at what's going on, you <laughs> you see this, yep. okay? And and it it you know what's it going to take to change this? I guess where where is there going to? And we're going to talk in the next segment about what Blue KC is doing. But there has to be a paradigm shift in thinking in this country, um, and that and that means by you know everybody, whether you're on the left or the right or the center, whether you're in the union or you're not or whatever the case may be, this needs to be a national discussion. Because if we're going to get to the root of these problems, something's got to happen here, and it's got to change. Right. You can't invest in the 20%. You have to invest in the 80% of the problem. If 80% of our healthcare issues are caused by all of these non-medical traditional issues, we have to invest in the other 80% as well. And you have to have a vehicle to tie that back Mm -hmm. and incentivize people to make behavioral changes. And, And we talked about this a little bit when we were doing the show prep. Corporations, large com- companies in this country need to step up and start doing more in these kinds of areas to help solve this problem. Yes? No question. I don't think that they'll, they won't get to the need. I think they're going to want to. Once they realize that, hey, some of my population has some issues. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And if I invest more wisely in that space rather than some of the things I'm doing, my employees are going to be healthy. They're going to be present. They're going to be here more often. It's, it makes all the sense financially for them. Yeah, and, and it, it makes sense financially, and in addition to making sense financially, um, it, it changes the dynamic overall of how the population relates to one another, mm-hmm. all right, and how we move forward in changing, again, as I said, you know, a paradigm shift in the way healthcare is viewed and the outcomes that are based on healthcare, yes? Because right. if we change this, it's going to change the dynamic. Right, right, and it should. 
Yeah, and, th- and that's why this needs to start to be an issue. We're going to be right back after the break. In the next segment, we're going to chat about the solution. Now, we've talked about the problem. Now we're going to show you there's a-, a solution. It's not rocket science. You're going to be a little surprised when you hear all this. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. If you want more information on Blue KC, go to the website, bluekc.com. Stay tuned. We'll be back after the break with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. If you're interested in this broadcast, telling somebody about it, or you want to reach out to these folks and find out how they're doing, what they're doing, the website's bluekc.com, bluekc.com. You can also send me an email. I'll be happy to connect you with the folks at Blue KC if this is a model you're interested in. Our producer, the always perfect Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Again, we've got in studio with us Chief Medical Officer of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City, Dr. Greg Sweat, and we are talking about social determinants of health. So, you know, we we talked about the problem at length here in the last two segments, and there's two pieces to this solution. The first one, uh, in my opinion, is the Spiracare system. And just kind of define that for the audience and what you've done, because I don't know if anybody else around the country is doing this. Um, primary care clinics are not something new. Your approach to them is very different. So let's just talk about that, and then we're going to talk about this piece that ties directly back to social determinants of health. Doctor? Yeah, the spire care system across uh, Kansas City has really led to a, a great amount of discussion across the country. We've had interest from other payers across the country, other Blue Cross plans, other primary care systems, and calling us, coming, visiting, touring these things. Now, these were started three to five years ago. We had a dream of creating a simpler, more affordable access to care that was much more broad than the typical primary care center, kind of the primary care center of the future. And so we went about it with those tenants in mind. And we kept the simplicity. We had help designing it from our own membership, our own patients, and kind of what they wanted to see when they walked in the door, how they wanted to talk to people, and what they wanted to experience within the clinic and then after the clinic. And so we've built it such that the physicians, are they're paid differently. They're paid to take care of people. It doesn't matter how many they see or where they see them or how they see them. If they want to call the patient, have a telehealth visit, or see the patient, they're welcome to do that. And then we have nurses, we have care guys that help them wrangle through the benefit process sometimes and get anything that they need to get done. They're, they're kind of their medical BFF or their medical best friend forever is this person that they can contact and get help with throughout the process. One of the key tenants or aspects of the Spire Care Centers, however, that we feel is very critical is the behavioral health consultant. And this individual is there for any sort of thing that you might be struggling with. If you have trouble sleeping, but the physician thinks, yeah, this might be anxiety. You know what? I'm going to have you talk to somebody. Just sit tight. I'm going to right get here. this person right here. You're not right going to go out and make another appointment. Wait no. two weeks to see somebody. You're going to walk down the hall and sit down with one of the behavioral health specialists right now. Because if that person walks out the door with a referral in hand, the likelihood that they will get there declines significantly. Yeah, just as they walk out the door. Right. Because at this point, there's no stigma. I don't have to go anywhere else. Nobody's going to see me leave. Nobody knows that this person's walking in as a behavioral health person. But they're able to attack the problem and work with this for this individual then and potentially one to two to three to four or five more times if they need it. And so we feel like these spire care centers are really attacking. Not only are they taking better care of people and the feedback and the, the customer uh, service scores that we're getting across the board here 
multiple times better than we are in most of our other primary care centers, but it's more affordable. Well, it is. I'm going to go back to something. I asked you this off the air, and I said, what's the average time a patient spends with a primary care physician? You said six minutes, and I said <laughs> seven and a half minutes. That, right. That's the number, doctor. Right. Okay. It's right in there. And I, I don't think people really recognize that, but you go into a major medical facility, pick one. That primary care doc is going from room to room to room to room to room. He comes in, the nurse gets you ready, the technician gets you ready, yada, yep. yada, yada, yada. He comes in, goes through this, here's your prescriptions next. Yeah. This model is complete. In fact, if I remember correctly, the average time a doctor spends with a patient at SpiraCare is between 30 and 45 minutes. First time in. First time in for sure. Yeah. Sometimes up to an hour. Now yeah. These, and these care centers are, are built with that in mind. They're, they're right. built with, to take care of these folks. Right. And then the second part about this, and we're going to get to behavior in a minute, is this guide thing. So this was the other thing I thought was fascinating when we did the initial rollout with these and talked about these quite a bit. You, you get referred to go get an MRI or a CAT scan or go see an orthopedic doctor or this or that or something else. Instead of telling the person, uh, go call, they do it for them. So like oh, you yeah. said, their new best friend. Okay? Right, right. Because who knows how to negotiate the system better? The people that are running the system, which is Blue KC, right. All right, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City. So, so that, that, that also that increases the likelihood they're going to follow through and do what they're supposed to do. Right. And then the last piece, which is the behavioral health piece, this is a huge issue. And I know, you know, the CEO here, Aaron Stuckey, is very, very focused on this. And, and it's something that, you know, we've just not, we don't pay enough attention to this, whether it's ADHD, anxiety, depression, sleep, you know, issues, whatever the case may be, that can be at the root of a lot of these problems. It is. And due to our experiences and due to our interest from Blue Case, Blue KC, as well as our CEO, we have begun to invest even heavier. You will begin to hear about the Mindful by Blue KC initiatives that are coming out that are much broader than even SpiraCare. Available to all of our membership. That launch is coming soon. So folks, that, that, that's one way this is being tackled. But here's something that I think is absolutely totally unique. So in the conversation that we had uh, with Dr. Sweat before the show, I found out that there's a 14-point questionnaire that they are now asking primary care, primary care docs across Kansas City to do with their patients when they come in. So I'm just going to give you a couple of pieces out of this. I'm going to let doctor take it from there. So think about this. First question here. Think about the place you live. Do you have any of the uh, following problems? Bug infestation, mold, lead paint, or pipes. Then they go on to talk about thinking about the last 12 months. Please mark whether these statements are true, never true, etc. I'm worried about food, and I would run out of food before I had money to buy more. Think about that. When was the last time you heard a doctor ask that kind of a question? In the past 12 months, have you had trouble with gas, water, or electric and couldn't pay for it? Okay. So, and I'm not going to go through any more of these. We can go through them as we talk about The point I want to make here is whoever thought that primary care doctor would do this and how did you get them to do it and how are you incentivizing this to happen? So you're doing it at SpiraCare right out of the gate. Okay. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the other primary care docs. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we, um, we have a program called the Medical Home Program. And the Primary Care Medical Home Program, or our Advanced Primary Care Program, is something that we've had in place for 10 to 12 years. And it's something that we have been incentivizing quality behaviors, take better care of the diabetics, take, make sure that people are getting their screening procedures. And last year, we had a long discussion about, let's, we need to start shifting this in the way we're taking care of our primary care physicians and create incentives where we want them directed. And so all, all we did very simplistically and said, okay, listen, 
we're not only going to pay you continued for high quality care in our diabetics, but we want you to screen every member that walks through the door for any social determinants of health. And so that's what we did. And so we created an incentive model for that. So not only do they get paid a little bit extra from the value side and the quality side if they do this at a high percentage of time, but they also get paid just to do this, to just wow. to do this screening. Yeah. So, and back to the original discussion, if we find out what the problem is, then we have an opportunity to find a solution. So let's talk about the food problem. So yes, I can't afford, yes, I've got three children, I'm a single mom, and you know I, I have a job that pays little above minimum wage, and, and I, I can't afford what I need for food for my kids. Oh, and it got worse with COVID-19 because my kids aren't getting the free meals at school because there isn't any school. So what does the doctor do? He's, he's done this now. He knows there's a problem. That's great. What are we going to do to fix it? Talk right. about what you do. Right. Over a year and a half ago, we put together a community health team, and they quickly went to work on what, what can we do to bring together the community-based organizations that exist in Kansas City today and make sure that they're healthy and vibrant, but then also give the doctors an ability to refer to them. Because if you don't, if you don't have access to nutritious food today and the doctor does the screening tool and sees that, what do they do? They, at some points, they probably get out an old yellowed piece of paper and look for phone numbers and things that they've written down. But now what they have in front of them is a, is a new platform that they can utilize and get onto that's part of, potentially part of their, emer- their electronic medical record and refer the patient to a community-based organization like, for instance, Harvesters. Harvesters. And that patient or member could go to Harvesters and get help. Okay, so, so it's a linkage, a network of sorts. Yeah. So you connect the dots, people. Do you see what's going on here? Okay, they, they do the questionnaire. Blue Cross incentivizes the doctors, pays the doctors to do the questionnaire. Problem is identified, solution is offered. That's the way this – this is what I said when I opened this show. There's a way to do this that makes sense, and what's going on here is part of how that works. Okay, so let's take it to so utility issues. If there there are programs available, so it's winter. I don't have heat, or you know, there was an article here in the paper not so long ago about a whole apartment complex where there was no air conditioning, and it's ninety degrees outside and a hundred degrees inside. There are solutions for that, and and you're giving them the tools to put that together. Right. We're, like you said earlier, connecting the dots. I mean, sometimes people, we may find the issues and not be able to connect. Well, who helps with this problem in the city? Well, now we know. We have a big, giant resource, a network of sorts that can work to that end. Yeah. And, th- and that's the whole point here is, again, as I said, you know, what we're trying to do is show that there are ways to attack these problems that make sense. There are resources out there that need to be used. And in the case of Blue KC, they're incentivizing the doctors to do this. We're going to come back after the break. When we do, we're going to continue to talk about this questionnaire. We're going to move to seniors, uh, near and dear to my heart, as I'm chronologically challenged. So we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. The website, if you want to reach out to the folks at Blue Cross, is bluekc.com. You heard doctors say people around the country are reaching out to them about Spiracare. Send me an email. I'll be happy to connect you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find these podcasts on 
iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. If you want to tell somebody about this, you're intrigued by this model, have them go up and listen to it. They can reach out to me. I'll be happy to connect you with the folks at BlueKC or go to their website, BlueKC.com. All right, in this last segment, again, joining me in studio, Dr. Greg Sweat, Chief Medical Officer, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City. So as we went off, um, I mentioned going out that one of the things that jumped out at me when I looked at this questionnaire was, how often do you feel lonely or isolated from those around you? And, and that plays very heavily into the senior population. Um, folks 65 or above, especially if a spouse passes and that person is by themselves, um, that whole issue. So mm -hmm. th that's, a, that's a, an interesting question to ask. And I'm focused on the senior population, but we can talk about it with, with populations that are younger. But let's start with that, doctor. Why is that important? And what, what happens when people pull back in like that and isolate themselves? Yeah, we see it all too often. I think we all probably have, we have probably relatives or family members that have done this to their own, um, that have experienced this. But like you mentioned, as a spouse passes away or divorce, they start to self-isolate. And what you what happens when, with self-isolation is mental health declines. They take less care of themselves. They don't get out as often. And so health declines. And so um, you mentioned the senior population. I think it's important to note that one of our one of the components of our Medicare Advantage plan for 2021 will be a program where we start to pair college kids and college students with seniors that need help, whether it be for transportation or meals or, or just simply put, companionship. Yeah, which will help. Yeah, just somebody that 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 goes and talks to them and shows an interest in them. Yeah. It's just human interaction. Well, because it's human... talk. Okay, because that is... Ex human interaction is extremely important for the mm -hmm. mental well-being. It, 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 it's a huge factor. Right. And I'm when you pull back and you're sitting in a room all day watching television or whatever it is you're doing and you're not interacting or getting out and being with people then your health starts to and we see this all the time we see it now with being isolated today because of COVID-19 and people staying at home or working at home oh I, and <laughs> like you sometimes. right yeah which is kind of funny because there was a big <laughs> article in the Wall Street Journal about a week ago about major executives saying I've had enough of Zoom conferences I want to go back to my office. I, yeah, so there was supposed to be this big change that people weren't going to want to go back. I don't think that's really going to be the case. I, people need that human interaction, which is what this talks about. Right. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about, because we've gone through some of this stuff now, what did you find when you did this survey of your own people in, at Blue KC? Because I know we talked about this before the show. You were a little surprised. I think we are no different than most. You know, as we've done it um, in our own organization and other companies have done it as well, we've all found that it exists everywhere. You are, no matter how big your organization or how well you think you pay your people or whether you're a school district or, the, or a municipality or any type of company, this exists in every one of our companies because it's so prevalent. And so we're seeing, you know, sometimes we'll find, you know, oh, like, like we mentioned earlier, the lonely and isolated We've seen numbers from 15 to 20% of the population in a company that puts down there, I feel lonely and isolated at times. Now, that's... That's, that's shocking. It, it, it's hurtful. Yeah. It's, almost, it's painful to hear, but... Yeah. You know, and then you find out that you know, 20 to 30%, depending on the company, we see that sometimes they feel like it's somewhat hard to pay for the very basics like food, housing, transportation, and medical care, child care, and utilities. That doesn't include things like prescription drugs. So you've oh. got people out there... 
No, it doesn't. Not taking prescriptions. That's what they do. Because they, they want to pay utilities. Or, or they've got to buy food. Or they've got to buy food. So I need my high blood pressure medication, but I'm, I'm not going to take it. Or, worse yet, I'm a diabetic, and I need metformin, or I need insulin, and we're rationing the insulin metformin because I can't afford to get it when I need it. Yeah, and the terrible part of that is that those patients will take those medications and they may cut them in half. Right. Or they'll take them every third day. Right. Or they ask the pharmacist, now, of these three medications, which one can I leave with you and not take? I'll, I just, I can only afford two. Right. And so then you get back to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you're just, your numbers still aren't any better. We're going to give you more. Which doesn't solve the problem because you're no. not identifying what the problem is. And that's the past. Yeah. So we've got to start. Well, and, know and, this problem. yeah, and that's why, you know, you talked about school districts, and municipalities, you know, that sounds like to me that, that in addition to private companies that can implement this, that's a great place for those groups to start doing this and uncover the issues they're dealing with. Because, you, you know, you think, well, you know, they work in a school district, they've got a, they've got a job, they've got health insurance. They may, but if you're working in the cafeteria right. or you're the janitor or even if you're a teacher that's got four or five kids at home, how are you supporting them with the limited amount of income you have? And how do we help you do what you need to do, whether it's connecting you to harvesters or putting you in touch with a pharmaceutical company that will give you that medication for free? Those programs right. are out there. They exist. They but do. people don't know that. You're right. And it's, and it's any company. It's, it's the municipalities, the school districts, like you said, private companies, large and small. It, it, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. These people work with you, for you, next to you. Yeah, and, and, and the interesting thing is here is that we go back to the very beginning of the show where we talked about the European model versus the model we have here. This is one thing they do a lot better than we do. They identify these issues and they, and they, and they give them solutions to these problems, which overall improves their outcomes, their health across the board, and allows for a much more effective spend of the medical dollar, yes? That's true. And we can do that here. We can create that system of uh, solution in our market, in our communities, in, in, the, in this country today. We can shift this. We have that ability. Yeah, well, not only do we can, you're doing it. <laughs> it's not rocket science, folks. If you want information on this, please feel free to reach out to me or go to Blue KC and reach out to Dr. Sweat. Thank you for coming in here and doing this today. This, I, th I think this is a message people really need to hear. And I think it's something that can have a big impact on everything that's going on in this country if we address this and start paying attention to it. Thanks again, Dr. Sweat. Thank you so much. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together as fools. Those words were never truer than they are today. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Once again, if you want information on this, if you are a municipality, a school, a private industry, a company, whatever the case may be, reach out to me at americashealthcareadvocate.com. I'll put you in touch with the folks at Blue KC, and they can show you this model and tell you how it works. And if you're here in Kansas City and you want information on Spiracare, they'll be happy to help you. The website is bluekc.com. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.